Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 in particular are uh, a, couple of ver a couple of chapters that have to do <clears throat> with uh, giving to the ministry, particularly giving. We use it oftentimes for, for missions giving. But I want to look at a, a short passage of Scripture and uh, just take a look at a, at a different aspect uh, of, of, uh, of, of what, is, what is being brought forth. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. Let's all stand together, if you would. If your neighbor does not have a Bible, allow them to look on with you this morning. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 8, it says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you, who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore, perform the doing of it, that is, there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful for the salvation that we have this morning through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, if there be anyone, whether they be here or whether they be under the sound of my voice, that do not know Christ as Savior, Honestly, God, my earnest prayer and my, my pleading with them would be to, to turn from their sin and to trust you and you alone as their personal Savior. God, I am thankful for the fact that you saved my soul many years ago, and I've seen your hand in my life. I've, uh, I've had the, the privilege and the opportunity to grow in Christ. Uh, Father, I pray that you just help us to see that that growth process needs to be continual. There is no time when it ought to be on hold. There is no time when it, uh, it ought to halt. But uh, we have, we have a, a, a responsibility to continually be growing in Christ. And Lord, as this spring season reminds us of life and we see the, the buds blooming and we see the flowers uh, blooming and budding. We pray, Father, that, that uh, you'd help us to realize that that life that's in us needs to continue to bloom and needs to continue to blossom and needs to continue to grow until we see your, your, you face to face. We pray your blessings upon this time in your word. We ask God that as your people, we'd be challenged that the folks that know not Christ as Savior might realize that they need you desperately today, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This passage, as I said, has to do specifically with, with giving. He's talking about them uh, having a love for others and even more so a love for God so that uh, their giving would continue and the, the various ministries would continue. If you look with me, over in uh, uh, the beginning of the chapter. And you look down uh, in verse 3, it says, For to their power I bear record. And again, this is talking about, this is talking about Macedonia. For, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, 
they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And of course, that's always the first step. The first step is to first give yourself to God, and then anything that you do for God will count and will matter and will be done properly. But if you'll notice with me uh, down, down in verse, uh, particularly in verse 10, he says this to, to the, the folks at Corinth, he says, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He's saying, listen, you need to start doing what you know you're supposed to do, but you need to continue doing it. And a year from now, you need to be ahead of where you were. The truth of the matter is that's really true in the Christian life period. You ought to be today further ahead for God than you were a year ago. In other words, the, the, the growth process for a Christian never stops. It's never put on hold. Uh, we ought to be continually growing in Christ. And it's not just important to know what to do, but, but it's important to have the right motivation and have the right heart and have the right reason for doing the things that God would have us to do. Uh, one of the things that's just awful easy to do in the Christian life, period. And I don't care what stage of life you are in, it's always, it's, it's always a pull to become stagnant. And I think this year, uh, because there were things we could not do and because we had to pull back on some stuff, uh, it, it's real easy. It's real easy to just, you know, to just really just, just sit and, and, uh, and get lazy. Uh, I know I've caught myself, I was talking to my son Joel down in Brazil uh, here this last week, and he says, he says, yeah, he says, you know, that's because I haven't been able to do things, now I find myself having to push myself to do something. And they're, they're even more on and off and locked down and then release and then locked down and release uh, going on there than it is here. And uh, there is that tendency, but we need to understand that God expects us as his people to grow. And there's, there's four things that motivate our growth, and they're attitudes. They're, they're attitudes toward God. And uh, uh, we, need to, we need to have these four motivations in our lives. And if you do, if you've got these, these things going on, then you're going to find yourself growing in Christ. First one if you take your Bibles and turn me over to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs 3, look with me down in verse 7. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Uh, fear is a, is a helpful motivator. And, uh, uh, you know, there's years ago, there were the, the slogans and T-shirts and bumper stickers that said, said no fear. 
I, I so badly wanted to take a magic marker and go underneath one of those and write, and no brains either. Because really, if you don't have any fear, if you don't have the proper fear, you're really not very wise. And the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the first fear that we ought to have is that, that fear of God. Uh, the fear of the Lord will cause you to depart from evil because you fear him and you fear his judgment. Uh, if you go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 31, that's a passage that we often go to, the, that chapter, when we're uh, doing the Lord's Supper, observing the Lord's Supper around here. And that, that uh, passage says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. And what had happened was, because they were not using the Lord's Supper properly and observing it properly, they were allowing sin to come into their life and they were, they were observing the Lord's Supper in sin with sinful, um, with sinful attitudes and sinful actions. And because of that, uh, Paul said, many are sick among you and, and many sleep. Uh, there, were, there were folks that, that actually died because they did not properly observe the Lord's Supper. And, and they did not observe the Lord's Supper in the respect that they did not fear God and they were not uh, 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 judging their own sin in their lives. Uh, we need to have an old-fashioned fear of judgment. We need to have an old-fashioned fear of, of our God. And, uh, you know, you go through the book of Proverbs and in, in one, or excuse me, book of Psalms, in one particular chapter of Psalms, uh, God warns and says, lest I tear you in pieces. Every time I read that, I just get chills uh, because I realize that my God is capable of that. Now, I understand God is a God of love, but understand God's also a God to be feared. And, and I've started out with that motivation because the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning. It is a basis. It is a foundational fear that needs to be there. And uh, if, honestly, if we really honestly feared his judgment, uh, we, would, we would have a different attitude toward our own sin. His judgment for, from the standpoint of what he could do to us but we need to to fear what we could do to him you ever thought about how much disappointment that you bring god when you sin willfully did you ever think about how much how much disappointment you bring god how much sadness that you bring the lord when uh when when you don't do right and the Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We've all been there. We've all experienced it. Uh, it's good to think about what does that do to God? And we not only need to have a fear of God, we need to have a fear of displeasing God. Uh, just a, a, a fear of, of not, not, not pleasing him, not, not being able to put a smile on his face because of the life that, we're, that we live. And then not only fearing God, but also just fearing sin. Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Proverbs chapter 7. And in Proverbs 7, 
Look at me in verses 21 through 27. And this is talking about, this is talking about the, the, uh, the strange woman that a young man uh, came upon. And she wooed him and she enticed him. And in, if you look with me down in verse 21, it says, With her much fair speech she caused him to yield. With a flattering of her lips, she forced him. you got to understand, sin does not come out and say, I'm sin and I'm going to ruin your life. Uh, sin comes along and is enticing in its moves towards you. But in reality, there's destruction heading our way. Verse 22, he goeth, forth, uh, he goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver. As a bird hasteth to the snare and knoweth not that it is for his life. Hearken un unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways. Go not astray in her paths, for she hath cast down many wounded. Yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. Now that's talking about the sin of immorality in particular. But really, you could, you could call that just, you know, you could look at that as just what sin does. And sin is never your friend. Sin is out to ruin you. And we need to be fearful of the effects of sin. You know, one of the, one of the greatest effects that we ought to be afraid of I mean, really, but probably the number one effect that breaks our fellowship with God. And that ought to bother us more than anything else. Um, you know, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, if you go to 1 John chapter 1, you'll see what the context is. And the context is talking about fellowship with God. Just before that, he says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The whole, the whole impact of that, of that passage is when sin comes into our lives, it affects our fellowship. We ought to be afraid of that. We ought to be fearful of that. That ought to bother us greatly and it ought to motivate us to, to do right and to, to uh, uh, be obedient to God. And then there's another fear, not only fear of God and a fear of sin, but also a fear for other people. Take your Bibles and turn with me to uh, the book of Jude. Jude 22. And Jude is just before the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book in your Bible. Jude is the second last book of your Bible. And Jude 22 and 23 is where we're going to look. Verse 22 says, And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spot, spotted by the flesh. And uh, that's just simply saying that we ought to be fearful for others, not fearful of others, but we ought to be fearful for others. Can I tell you something? Uh, in this last year that COVID has hit, uh, there have been a lot more people that have gone into eternity. And I'll guarantee you that most of the people that have gone into eternity due to COVID, COVID 
have died and gone to hell. And I don't say that with any kind of joy. I say that with, with, uh, with a fearfulness for those that are left behind. Um, you know, we, we talk about, about the Lord coming back, and, and it's a good thing. It really is. I look forward to the Lord coming back. The last prayer in your Bible is, even so, come Lord Jesus. So that's not a bad prayer to pray. It's a good prayer to pray. But can, can, I, can I help you understand uh, that uh, when we go, the people that are left behind, if they have not trusted Christ as Savior, they will remain here. And they'll go through a type of, it's not going to be, but it's going to be a type of, according to Revelation 6, hell on earth. You know, you've heard people make that comment. Well, I just, I just experienced hell on earth. No, you haven't. Not even close. But tribulation is going to come close to that. Uh, and, and I don't want that for anyone. And, of course, from there on, if they've not trusted Christ as Savior, the likelihood of them getting saved, in fact, there's a good possibility they won't be able to get saved during the tribulation period. And uh, because their hearts have gotten hardened. And, and you've seen it over this, I, you know, over these last few years, you've seen how easy it is for people to be deceived. Well, you know what that ought to do? That really ought to tug at our hearts. Do you know that, that uh, uh, for the first time in our nation's history, uh, the, the percentage of people in our country that have been associated with any kind of religious uh, organization or association has gone down under 50% for the first time in the history of our country. That's a fearful thing. I don't mean fearful for us because of the repercussions. Listen, we're going to go home and be with the Lord someday. <laughs> you know, we're going to look, look behind us and say, oh, that was, you know, that was nothing that we went through back there compared to the glories here. But, but we ought to be fearful for others that have not yet trusted Christ. And, and uh, I don't know about you, but I know that I've had to uh, ask the Lord to really work on my heart here lately to get a renewed burden for others and get a, a renewed burden for the fact that people are dying every single day, whether it's COVID or something else. People are dying every single day, and they're going into eternity. Can I tell you, the Bible makes it real plain that the majority of people that die and go into eternity go without Christ. And their only lifeline to heaven is you. Their only lifeline to heaven is me. Uh, us having the message and giving them the message is, is of, of real importance. We're running out of time. I mean... You know, I, I don't think I have to tell you that. Time is running out. You say, you think the Lord's going to come back uh, real soon? I do. Now, he might not. He might take another 50 years. I don't know. I thought for sure he was going to come back before the year 2000, and that did not take place. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know the time. I don't know the hour. You don't know either. But I do know this. Time is definitely running out. Now, we're going we're gonna to start up a door-to-door -door campaign this year. Uh, this summer, and it, we're not gonna we're not gonna knock on doors and go into the homes because folks in this area are still all worked up over the COVID thing. But what we are gonna do is we're gonna pass literature out. And we're gonna try and get as much of it out as we can. We need men. We need women. We need boys. We need girls. I want to I want to see really I want to see our whole church go out and just plaster this area uh, with the gospel. 
And, and uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know what will motivate us to do that? A fear. Not just a love for people, and love for people is important, but, but you need to understand, people are dying and going to hell because they don't have the truth. Uh, I, I, I just read here just this last week that they're looking at closing some Catholic churches uh, in this area. And you say, well, you know, that's good because they're not preaching the truth. Well, that's true, they're not. But, you know, that, that also tells you that people are less and less interested in, in eternal things. That's scary. Okay? That's scary. And, and uh, that ought to put a fear in your heart, not, not for you, but for others. And, 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 and that fear is supposed to motivate us. If you look with me in verse 23 of Jude, it says, And others save with fear. He says, you got to have compassion with some, and then others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You, you know, you, you don't hate them, but boy, you hate the sin that is going to take them to hell for all eternity if they don't repent and trust Jesus Christ. So one of the things that helps us to grow is having the right attitude uh, of fear, fear of God, fear of sin, and fear, of other, uh, fear for others. And then the second one, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. In 2 Timothy 2, look with me down in verses 3 and 4. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Thou therefore... Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. The second attitude we need to have is the attitude of a real desire to please God. Honestly, that needs to be our major purpose in life. Uh, one of the things that I try to, to remember in the morning when I'm praying, particularly when I'm praying uh, and thanking God for my breakfast, uh, I, I often will ask the Lord, say, Lord, help me to be reminded that uh, I'm here to please you and help me to please you today in the things that I do and the things that I say and the attitudes that I have. Um, what is it that pleases God? Well, in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So He wants us to have faith and He wants us to trust Him. If you go to Hebrews 11, you'll find that there's a bunch of examples given of people that had faith in God. And uh, every one of those people, because of their faith, did something for God. Because they, they had faith, they, they, they did something, they acted upon that faith. And if, if you believe in God, and you believe God, and you have faith in God, it'll cause you to, to act, it'll change your actions. Uh, Abel made a sacrifice because he believed God. Uh, Noah built a ship because he believed God. Uh, Abraham took off to a far country, had really no idea exactly where his destination was going to be. But he did it because he just simply trusted and believed God. Moses went to Pharaoh because eventually 
he finally believed God. And, and uh, he led the people of Israel in the wilderness for 40 years because he believed God. He chose to suffer the reproaches of God's people instead of the, the, uh, uh, the niceties of Pharaoh's household. He was brought up in Pharaoh's household. He could have he gone either way. And he chose to go with the people of God and suffer persecution as a result of it because he believed the Lord. He had, he had faith. And uh, uh, as we have faith, uh, we will do things. We will obey God. We will do things for God. In other words, that ought to be the motivation. Um, this morning when you got up, when you, this morning when you came to church, what was in your mind? Who is it that you had a desire to please more than anyone else? Now, we ought to be a blessing one to another. We ought to be an encouragement one to another. And we ought to, to look to help one, one another. But you ought to be looking to please God more than any, anybody else. Uh, that attitude of pleasing God will bring excellence in everything that we do. Uh, when we do a project, we don't do a project uh, so that we can just get by. We do a project and do our very best because we're doing it for God. If that's your attitude, it'll change the way you do things uh, every single day. Um, two things that, that we, we need to have you know, in, our, in our minds all day long is, number one, we're here for the purpose of pleasing Him. Uh, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 11 says that uh, we are created for His pleasure. We're here to please God. We're not here to have fun. We're not here to have a good time. We're not here to uh, just get the blessings of God. We're, we're here to please Him. That's why we were created. But secondly, don't ever forget this, that God loves you. And, and uh, honestly, uh, you think about it, the, the, when, a, when, a, when a son or a daughter pleases a father, what, in most cases, and particularly when it's a good father, uh, what does that father do? Father wants to do whatever he can to be a blessing and a help to that son or that daughter. Well, if that's true with earthly relationships, how much more true is it between us and God? But it starts with an attitude. And that's the attitude that I was set here on this earth. I got up this morning because it pleased God. If it didn't please God, I'd have been, I, I wouldn't have gotten up. I'd, I'd, I'd died in my sleep. Uh, the reason why you are here this morning is because, and the reason why you're in existence is because God wants you to please Him. Now understand, He loves you, but, but we're to please Him. And, uh, you know, all of us, all of us like to be accepted. I don't, I don't think there's anybody here that enjoys rejection. In fact, that's one reason why a lot of folks uh, don't pass out tracts or go door to doors because they don't like rejection. But can I, can, I, can I help you with something? If you're saved, you don't have to work at being accepted by God. We don't, please, we don't try to please Him so that He can accept us. Because the Bible tells us if you're saved, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You're already accepted because you're saved. 
But we ought to have a desire, and because we're accepted, we ought to have that desire to want to please Him. The third attitude that we ought to have, that ought to motivate us to grow in Christ. It, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5. Second Corinthians chapter five. And look with me in verses thirteen through fifteen. Verse thirteen says, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us. That means that it motivates us. The fact that Christ loves us and that we love him. Uh, is the thing that keeps us going. It says the love of Christ constraineth us because we, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Uh, we ought to do what we do because of love. We ought to have a desire to grow uh, because of love in our hearts for God. Love for Christ motivates us to change, mo motivates us to be obedient to Him, motivates us to want to please Him. Uh, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. The reason why we love Him, we didn't make the first move. Lord Jesus made the first move. He died on Calvary's cross. He gave everything so that we could have eternal life, and that causes us to love Him. And, and elsewhere in Scripture, it says, if you love, if, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And if you love Him, you'll do what He asks you to do. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And also take your Bibles and turn to uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, twelve, if you would. Chapter twelve. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter twelve first. The Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. The Apostle Paul said that he was telling the uh, Corinthian believers that. And notice what he says over in Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse fifteen. And I will glad, very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Now, what he's saying is, he says, it just seems like the more I love you, the less you love me back, and the less you care for my actions toward you. But you know what? That didn't stop him. And you know why it didn't stop him? Because the love of Christ constrained him. It wasn't the love of them that caused him to go and, and, and to continue on in spite of the opposition. It was, it was the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And in 2 Corinthians 8, look at me. Look at me in verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying with us 
with much entreaty that we would uh, receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, and not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, and as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye you know the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. What was the thing that motivated that whole process of, of giving and giving sacrificially? Even though some of, some of these folks were in poverty, they gave out of their poverty and, and, and gave. Not because they had to, because they wanted to. What motivated them to do that? It was love. That whole thing was done because they first loved God. You know, when, when Jesus took all the commandments and, and summed them up, he said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy might. And the second is like unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. It's got to be in that order. You can't love others properly if you don't first love God. And the greatest commandment that we can obey is to love the Lord. And the Lord wants that to be our motivation. Our motivation for all that we do ought to be the fact that we love the Lord. And then the last thing that ought to motivate us, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. And this, this is... More true today than it's ever been. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And look at verses 1 and 2. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering. Um, he says that, that uh, uh, the Lord Jesus is coming back and he's going to someday judge the quick and the dead. The fact that, that Jesus Christ is coming back ought to motivate you to, uh, to, to grow in Christ. It is so important for us not to be stagnant. It's so important for us to, to uh, be the lighthouse for this community. I, you know, back, it was, it was almost three years ago that I came into, into Auburn. When I came into Auburn, there were several, actually there were three Baptist, three, at least three uh, Baptist churches that were, that were uh, given out the gospel. Now there's two. Uh, one of the ones that, uh, that, that is, uh, the other one that is still in existence, it doesn't have as many people as it used to. Things are getting more difficult in this area. And I don't say that to discourage you. I say that to encourage you. 
They're more difficult because people are, 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 are more needy than they've ever been before. And you know what? The only lifeline they have is you and me. Jesus Christ is coming again. That is good news for God's people. And all God's people said, that's horrible news for the lost. That's horrible news for the lost. Jesus Christ coming again is wonderful for us. The implication in Scripture in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 is that anyone who's heard the truth and Christ comes back, they're going to believe a lie and they're going to be damned for all eternity. Boy, that's a terrible thing. That's an awful thing. And knowing Christ is going to come, and he's going to come soon. He's going to come soon. Uh, you know, we, we talk about he could come this year. I'll tell you the truth. He could come this afternoon. Uh, his, his, his coming is eminent. And, and we, we need to understand that we are quickly, and maybe, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder what we would think if we saw uh, God's uh, uh, timing and saw how just how close we are. And again, I don't know, you don't know, but I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, we're closer than we've ever been. And because of that, because time is running out, it is absolutely essential if, that we get out the gospel. Have you ever thought of this? What would change if you knew the exact time? What if you found out that you had one year left and a year from today, or two years, or three years? Would that change your urgency? I think it would. And you know what the truth of the matter is? It shouldn't. Because we don't know. It may not be three years. It may not be two years. It may not be one year. It could be this week. We don't, we don't really, we don't have a clue. Now, I, I realize you can take a look at what's going on and you can figure out that we're getting closer and closer and closer and I understand all of that. But we, just, we don't have much time. And not, not only do we not have much time, but people out there don't have much time. And, and one, one of the greatest needs, I believe, and this is the whole idea of Christian growth, is that we grow and consistently uh, get out the gospel and be a testimony like we're supposed to be. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, which talks about not only Christ's resurrection, our resurrection, talks about the fact that he's going to come and get us in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And, and you know, it, it talks about the fact that we're going to be changed. The end of that chapter, which is what we read this morning at the beginning of the service, says, says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren... Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. What does that mean? Growing. <laughs> always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know that your neighbor, that your labor, <laughs> I said that again, uh, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Um, you know, I've slipped twice and said the word neighbor instead of labor. I don't know where that came from. I really don't. But maybe it's because we don't spend enough time thinking and praying for our neighbors. 
Maybe it's because it's others that we're not concerned for like we ought to be. Four questions for you this morning. Do you fear God? Does that motivate you? Do you please God? Is that what you got up this morning and had upon your heart? I just want to please the Lord. Do you love God? And then last of all, do you look for his return? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, our desire is that, that this church and each individual family and each individual person within that family be a light, be salt, be a witness for Jesus Christ. And Lord, uh, we want to please you. The love of Christ really does constrain us. Lord, the reason why we should be here this morning is because we love you, not just because it's Sunday and it's Sunday morning and we're supposed to be in church. But we ought to be here now. We ought to be here tonight. We ought to be here Wednesday night. We ought to be here next week in Sunday school because we love you. That ought to be the thing that motivates us. The fact that we love you, the fact that we fear you, the fact that we, we want to please you, the fact that one of these days you're coming back and it's going to be soon and we're running out of time. God, help us to, to look at our lives this morning. It, it's, it's easy to get stagnant and particularly this year, this year. There have been times when I've had to shake myself often and uh, Lord, uh, Every time I have, these attitudes have slipped in my life. God, help us to put things back into the proper perspective. It is easy to get caught up in the circumstances and the situations of life. And just like what the Apostle Paul told Timothy, uh, get entangled in the things of this life. But Lord, you don't want us to be entangled. You want us to be free so that we can serve you, so we can grow in grace and grow in faith and make a difference while we're still here. God bless this invitation. Speak to our hearts. I pray for anyone, particularly this morning, that might, <coughs> might not know Christ as Savior. May today be the day of their salvation because one day you're coming again. And once you come again, then it, it seems from Scripture that their time is up. So Father, I pray that you'd work in, in our hearts this morning and we'll be careful to give you the glory and the honor and the praise for it's in Jesus name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's do so with heads bowed, and eyes closed, invitations open.